Hey everybody, the Digital Side Hug is back and we have got Rob Touchstone with us today. I'm going to be interviewing a guy that is a veteran in youth ministry who's not doing youth ministry anymore. We'll get back to that in a few minutes. Rob, how's it going? Hey David, man, I'm glad to be here. Good, good to talk to you. Rob and I are now actually on staff uh, together, which has been a lot of fun after years of, of knowing one another through the youth ministry world. Um, Rob, first, real quick, tell us tell us uh, names of your wife and kids and where you live and what you do. All right. I live in Nolensville, uh, just south of Nashville. Married to Amy for 16 years. We've got two kids. Anna is 11 and John Mark is 8. So you and Amy got married just right before you got into youth ministry or right after? Right after. Two months after first day in youth ministry, we were married. Wow, what a way to start <laughs> no kidding. your marriage together. That That is, uh, so you got married after the summer? Did you start yeah, right, right before after the, the summer? summer. So you, yeah. you started youth ministry in June. And what was your first church? Uh, Mayfair Church in Huntsville. Okay, so you've been at two churches? Two churches uh, after uh, as, Mayfair. As youth minister. Yep, after Mayfair, we were at Tusculum Church here in Nashville. And that was right up until August of this year. So you spent 10 plus years, 10 and a half years at Tusculum. Uh, and then transitioned out. And I can't wait to talk to you about what you're doing now, but our listeners have come to expect a Blitzkrieg round of get-to-know-me questions, and so we're going to do that right now. My first question for you, uh, Rob, is this. It's Christmas season. Give us your favorite Christmas movie, your favorite Christmas song. It can be a carol, it can be a hymn, it can be whatever. And then your, the favorite Christmas gift you've ever received. So favorite Christmas movie. That would be It's a Wonderful Life. A classic. All right, what about the Christmas song, Carol Hymn? Uh, I'm going to go with Christmas Canon, Trans-Siberian Orchestra. All right, excellent. Um, Okay, so the best gift you ever received? Probably my BMX bicycle when I was maybe 11, 12. Did it have mag wheels? No. Oh, man. No. I I think I wanted the mag wheels. I got a little disappointed, but how can you be disappointed with... You know, your BMX oh, yeah, bike sitting there Christmas morning, went out and rode it, didn't even open the rest of the gifts. That is so great. Okay, what is your go-to Liam Neeson movie? Oh, that's easy. Taken. Taken one? Taken one. Okay, yeah, it's a classic. Uh, one of my favorite little uh, online things that they did, they put, have you seen this, the Liam Neeson picture uh, that, that, that says, I don't know who you are, but I'm going to find you and, and I will kill you. And then underneath it is is uh, Chuck Norris on the phone saying, "You're right. You don't know who I am." <laughs> I haven't seen oh, that, but I already I've love got it. To show it to you. Okay, Bo or Luke Duke? Mm, were you were you a Bo guy or a Luke? Yeah, guy? no, I love the Dukes of Hazard. Um, let's go with Luke. I liked them both. But. I, yep, yep. Okay, good. I was actually a Luke guy myself. All right. So as a kid, you grew up and dr- you dreamed of being what when you grew up? Was was it youth minister? No, I didn't even know what a youth minister was back then. So I, you you dreamed of? I jumped all the way to the big leagues and uh, wanted to be a professional athlete, uh, baseball player. Okay. And if not baseball, basketball. So you must have been a Dale Murphy guy. Dale Murphy was my. I hero. know you're a Braves Atlanta fan. Atlanta Braves so. fan. Grew up in Atlanta. <laughs> and uh, never quite uh, was talented enough to make it to even the college level, but. But Up until then, I the believe. Yeah. All right. So, if you were a breakfast cereal, what cereal would you be? Wheaties. And and the reason being, I you just, would be Wheaties. I would be Wheaties because I don't know. Wheaties just kind of that athletic that thing that you eat when you're 
Yeah. You know, I, well, I remember staring at the box, like loving to see who was going to be on the next cover of Wheaties, maybe thinking one day that'd be me. Well, of course it wasn't, right, but, right. you know. Yeah, they haven't put youth ministers on the front of the Wheaties box Not yet, yet, but that's a great idea for okay, the future. Okay, Rob, there's a button in front of you. This is an accidental superpower question, okay? There's a button in front of you. If you press the button, then you get the power to control sports contests that you are watching live through a spyglass. So if you press the button, that you get the power to control sporting events that you're watching live if you're watching it through a spyglass. Okay. Okay. That's that's the button. If you do not press the button, then as long as you are riding on a horse dressed as a cowboy, everyone that you know is totally happy. Okay. Do you press the button or not? Mm. Yes. You press the button. Is this in part because you have a nephew that is a football player who's heading to college next year to That's play college? That's exactly why, yes. Because I'm going to see so, him on the football field. So you're going to be at college football games with a spyglass making sure that, that he wins the Heisman Trophy. Exactly right, because we that's, know that's going to happen. That's awesome. Yes, actually, uh, Rob's nephew is in my youth group, and he's quite the quarterback. Swafford for Heisman. That's 2000, right. 2000, what? Tyler Seventeen for Heisman 2017-ish, maybe even earlier, You know, because you can have sophomores or juniors. He can do it. Yeah, he's going to make a splash. Okay, now, our last question, Rob, comes from Asking Can Be Fun. A guy named Dr. Morris Gregwire has, has started, he's written a book called Asking Can Be Fun. Uh, so you can find him on Facebook and get these questions and many more. Question number 30, which movies evoke gasps of disbelief when you admit to others that you have not seen them? Oh man, this is embarrassing, but I am probably the only person in the world who has only seen one, seen one Harry Potter movie. Wait, you've, you've only seen I've one only of seen eight. the first Harry okay, Potter Okay, well, at least it's the first one. Yeah. But it begs the question, what, what, did you not read the books? No, I didn't. So, did you, you didn't even read number one? Didn't read the books. I did give it, I, I tried with the first movie, and it was all right. Just yeah. wasn't my thing. Okay. Well, I, yeah, that is odd. Uh, I actually have seen all eight many times. In fact, watched all seven of the movies on DVD. In a row, up right? up to... <laughs> That's correct. In a row. <laughs> Leading up to the, the, the midnight show of, of number eight, our whole youth group watched them together. So, uh, what better way than that to transition into questions about youth ministry? So, you did youth ministry for many years um, at two churches, as you've already mentioned, but you're not doing youth ministry now. Um, tell us what you're doing now and, and you know, why make the transition at this point from youth ministry to this? Yeah, I am... Um the missional discipleship minister here at Otter Creek in Nashville. And um, that was after 16 years of youth ministry. And I will say that was one of the hardest decisions I ever made was to transition out of youth ministry. Um, but I felt that God was calling me to take on this new role of reaching out to people who would not ever come into the walls of our church buildings. And so, so I was feeling this calling to um, to plant missional communities, um, small churches for people who don't like church. Now this started, the, the tug to do this started while you were in youth ministry. How, how did it begin? Well, in youth ministry, um, I a lot of what we did in youth ministry, like most youth ministries, was focused on um, inspiring teenagers to go out and serve and to make a difference in the world. And, um, and so in doing that, um, 
after talking to so many people on the outside looking in who didn't have a relationship with Jesus or didn't want to come to a church building, um, I had to sort of have this vision of creating a space where people would feel comfortable. What would it look like to create a space where people could just naturally come without all of the church or religious expectations? Um, and so we opened a coffee house uh, called The Well that was the answer to that question, um, a place where everybody could feel welcome and, and hang out, a place that was deeply spiritual without looking religious. And that started while you were still in youth ministry. Yes. But the, the, the tug and the dream to do something more with that, more intentionally, communally, community-oriented in Christ was, was pulling, tell us what you're doing now that connects that coffee house to the, to the kingdom more directly. Yeah, you know, in youth ministry, I think there is no better picture of community. I mean, hanging out together with a group of people, um, teenagers, who want to be together, that just completely are all in, um, that served as a catalyst to this vision for what if we could create a church that kind of looked like the extension of a, a youth ministry. And so what I'm doing now is planting a church community inside a coffee house, uh, the well, while it's open for business. And so we set up for uh, a community gathering right, right inside the well um, while people are coming in and out. And a lot of that was inspired by my many hours with teenagers during youth ministry, hanging out in coffee houses, mostly Starbucks, um, hanging out in conversation, um, hanging out studying the Bible together. And I began to observe and notice like how many people came in and out of Starbucks that were just comfortable. You look around and, yeah. and they were just comfortable sitting there. And how many teenagers would be more comfortable meeting me even um, at a coffee house rather than, you know, in a more formal environment. And so I thought, what if we could capture this environment, this community, and make it an open invitation for anyone and everyone anytime? So you're, the, the coffee house, the coffee shop, you know, from a standpoint of a business, you're not making, it's nonprofit. I mean, you're not making money per se. You're using the resources that come in and the money that this business makes to bless the kingdom. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So when we decided, I worked with a group of people um, who were at this, who were at Tusculum Church, and we decided to open a business that would be a nonprofit. And so all the money that we make is given away. All the money that we profit is given away. We're a 501c3. And so we give our money away to help fight poverty in the world, specifically to provide clean water. So that's why one of our reasons the name is The Well is because yeah. we help build wells. And so we give our profits away to fight poverty. So people come get a cup of coffee at your shop. They, they know whatever else is happening. People are being blessed by their, the money that they're spending. Right. And, but you're also doing, you're doing a church-ish kind of thing there on Sunday nights right now. That, that's the only time that you do this intentional gathering? Yeah. So our idea behind the coffee house was make money to give it away. That was part of it. And the other part of it was to create a deeply spiritual environment. So in other words, to love people into God's kingdom. And so we trained our baristas to think missionally, just by the way they serve coffee. Um and we have little hints all around the store that are pointing to a bigger story. And so the idea is that someone would come in for coffee and realize, wow, it really feels good to help someone with this purchase. And I want to know more about that. Yeah. So it's it's appealing to something that's you know deep within all of us, and that's a desire to help others. And then there are little hints around the store from uh, some of our nonprofit merchandise that's made by people in third world countries. Uh, we have a wishing well board where people can help right others that come into the coffee house. And then 11 weeks ago, we started, uh, we planted a small coffee house church called Well House 
inside the well, meets on Sunday nights uh, at 5, 6.30, and 8 p.m., and we worship, we commune together. Um, I serve as kind of in a pastoral role of teaching. And now, so your sermon, it's, you're preaching a sermon, but you don't call it preaching, maybe? No, we call it more of a conversation. In fact, okay. I get up and I am speaking just as much to people who are walking up to the counter for right. a cup of coffee as I am Because it's still going. I mean, the business is still happening. Yeah, so when I get up and speak, I say, I know some of you can hear me right now, and you didn't come here for church tonight. <laughs> right. But and tonight I'm trying to speak to uh, the person standing at the counter waiting for coffee or the person who's just there to study and also the person who's come intentionally to, to hear what I have to say. Okay, so can you give us one or two cool stories from the 11 weeks that you guys have been meeting, just a, a person that... You maybe you met that that their story has inter, intertwined now with what you're doing at the well house or a, just a surprise moment, something cool. Yeah, every single Sunday in our 11 weeks, um, including just this past week, we've had someone, uh, usually it's a handful of people who've just come in to study or come in to hang out, maybe have a meeting with a friend, and they heard what we were doing, what we were talking about, and they they were interested and they came on into the room. One of them, uh, in our very first Sunday, uh, there was a guy who had just been in a fight with his wife. He needed to get out of the house to cool off. And he'd never been to the coffee house, but he just pulled to the parking lot, walked in to get a cup of coffee, and he heard what we were doing. And he heard the people begin to gather and sing and, and heard what we were talking about. And he came over and he got involved. He got connected. He listened and he got involved in one of our, one of our small groups and, uh, and has been coming back some. Um, yeah. Probably the biggest surprise moment was uh, we had um, an atheist student from um, from one of our local universities who showed up one night, very surprisingly. And uh, the next Sunday, uh, we ended up baptizing him. Wow. <laughs> because he, he formed some relationships right there in the coffee house, and he was treated with, uh, with great kindness and respect, even though he didn't believe on his first time there the same thing that we believed in. Well, I just love the idea that you have taken principles that God has taught you through youth ministry and, and you're applying them now in this broader context that's touching the lives of adults, families, young adults, what have you. Um, and I've got several questions. I want to know, how did you know God was calling you to do this? I mean, you said it was hard to leave youth ministry. We got youth ministers that that potentially might listen to this podcast who are thinking right now, you know, how much longer do I stay in? Or maybe could God be calling me to something else? How did you and Amy discern, okay, this is God's voice and he's calling us to leave and now is the time? You know, I would love to say that it was just so crystal clear that I looked out you know, one morning and saw a billboard and it was God saying on this day and this time, it's time to transition out. And I always knew that I would just kind of know when it was time to transition. And so it started off what I, with what I would just say, kind of this, this nudge, this feeling that God was saying, I know you love youth ministry and I know that you feel like you could do this for maybe even, um, I'm, and by the way, I just turned 39 this summer. And yeah. so, you know, I was at a stage where my own kids, my right. daughter was about to come into the youth ministry, which complicated matters even more. Uh, but I was at a stage where I was going, you know, if I stay in this, I think I'm going to stay in this probably for another 10 or 15 years. Right. And if I don't, then this would be the time to, to make a transition. And so I was feeling this nudge um, that God was saying, it's time for you to go and, and launch out on this vision that I've given you, this coffee house yeah. church vision. Um 
And I wrestled with God over that. Like, you know, God, now, like seriously, like right now when my daughter's coming into mm-hmm. it, now when my youth ministry that I've invested in at Tusculum is, is healthy and doing wonderful and everything is great now. And um, so I prayed through that for a long time, talked to, um, of course, many conversations with my wife, Amy, and, and with mentors and friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, at the end of the day, it was just this strong sense of calling that it was it was time. You know, it wasn't a billboard, but it was a strong sense of calling that I was just feeling. I don't know how else to describe it. It was, no, it was a strong yeah. feeling. You're describing that <laughs> internal sort of mysterious yeah. Holy Spirit, you know, confirmation that mm-hmm. this is it. Um, well, cool. So is... It, Anything about what you're doing now remind you of youth ministry? You know, what is it that you're doing now that's like the farthest thing from youth ministry? And what is it that that, that is like, that reminds me so much of youth ministry? Yeah, there are a lot of similarities. And I think youth ministry prepared me perfectly for this. Um, youth ministry, I think as much as any part of ministry in the church, um, is hands-on. It's active. It's, it's doing the unexpected. And so what I'm doing every Sunday... Um, feels just like youth ministry because I'm expecting the unexpected. I don't know what's going to happen yeah. when I walk into this coffee house and there are people <laughs> showing up. Because anything could happen. Anything could happen. Um, we haven't played Chubby Bunny or anything like that yet. You notice, But that's coming, but, maybe. But it could be. Any Sunday, we could we could break into a mixer game. Um, but, you know, it feels very spontaneous, just like youth ministry does. Um, it feels very communal, just like youth ministry um, and I'm, I'm working with quite a few college students who have just come out of youth ministries. Yeah, and right. so I have a lot of students um, who feel like, you know, youth group students. Um, in many ways, though, uh, working with adults is a lot harder than working with teenagers for me. I kind of miss some of the working with teenagers because teenagers, I have found, are they're all in. They're, they seem in many ways to, to be easier to convince mm-hmm. that Jesus is who he says he is. Yeah. And and I have found it easier in some ways to help teenagers get excited and passionate about the kingdom of God. There's something that happens maybe to all of us when we, we start to grow up and get a little bit jaded to um, to things. And and so I found it to be challenging in working with working with adults. And so... Um, in that sense, it's different. It's very different, yeah. Uh, but but the similarities are, 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 are so great that... Um, I feel like youth ministry prepared me perfectly for what I'm doing now. I don't think I would have even had this vision um, nearly as fleshed out if I had not been in youth ministry for the amount of time that I have been. So when you look back over your career as a youth minister, which which is which is taking a turn now and you're doing something else, is there anything that you wish you had known then that, that you know now after 16 years of youth ministry that you can tell our listeners you know, who might be fairly new to youth ministry and bless them as they get started or, or continue the journey. Yeah, when I was um, 23 years old, starting off as a youth minister, what I what I wish I had known then um, is that you don't have to have all the answers, that you don't have to have it all figured out, and that you don't have to be everyone's Savior. <laughs> There's only one Savior, and it's Jesus. And I, I guess I felt this enormous pressure coming in to somehow be the answer guy, like to have it all figured out, to be able to come in and relate to everyone, to uh, speak to everyone's problems. And as I've gotten older and as I've done this longer, the more I've been in it, the the more I realize how much I don't know. And Mm -hmm. I've become more comfortable with that. Mm -hmm. I've become more comfortable with saying, I can't, or I don't know, or I'll help you, but I can't, I can't fix you. And so I wish then I would have saved myself a lot of pressure and stress if I could have known in those early years that, um, First of all, that it takes a team of people. You can't do this alone. You have to depend on a team of people. And second, that um, 
that it, it, it takes a great deal of trust in God and the Holy Spirit um, to know that I am just the facilitator to bring them before the Lord who is the healer and who is the one that, that fixes the problem. Um, it's not me. You know, I'm, I'm listening to that answer and thinking about how you have just said that, the, you know, your youth ministry prepared you for this perfectly. That's one of the things that you learned in youth ministry and you look back. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking, you know, part of the reason that, that so many people would never come into our churches or any church for that matter, you know, part of the reason why well houses are needed in our community, intentional communities that don't look like a church, they don't feel like a church, is, be, is maybe because people are tired of coming across spiritual guys that know all the answers mm-hmm. and that have everything figured out. So I love that because just like teens seem to be in some ways energized by a guy that says, I, I don't know either. You know, we're going to have to figure this out together. Uh, I'm sure that's what you encounter every week at the well, not just on Sundays, but but all, you know, every day. Yeah, and so I feel like when people have those questions, which they do, especially non-believers, whereas I used to, maybe my early years would have tried to say, well, let me explain to you right. why you can trust and why you can believe that there is a God. Yeah. Now I'm very comfortable saying, you know, I wrestle with that too. Yeah. I don't understand either, but I will walk with you and I will, I will sit and wrestle with those questions with you. And um, I have found that to be a great relational builder with people who... Yeah. Um, just want you to put your arm around them and love them through it rather than to fix them and to give them to be their answer man. Well, I have loved hearing the stories coming out of what you're doing. Of course, we're on staff together. Ironically, I don't get to see you a whole, whole lot because we're running in different circles now, which is funny given the fact that for 16 years we did the same thing. <laughs> right. um, and at Otter Creek, there are a few people that know who I am as a youth minister you know, better or more than you do. Um, so, Rob, last question question. I know you're going to be at NCYM uh, in just a few weeks presenting there. And any idea what, what you're going to be talking I know they've asked you to do something a little new. Explain that to us. Yeah, I'm going to be giving uh, one of the short, I think, 10 to 12 minute talks um, that's kind of like a TED talk where uh-huh. I just, I look forward to just sharing um, a little bit like I did just now, except in a 10 minute version. And that is what, how God uh, used my time in youth ministry uh, to inspire the vision for the well, and then some of the stories that have come out of our new church plant called Wellhouse. Okay. So I can't wait to share that um, with the group. And it, and it may be that this podcast ends up going up after NCYM, but but I'm hoping to get it up before. Um, and it's I know it's going to be a good time, and everybody that, that gets a chance to to be with you will be encouraged and blessed. Um, now this is this is one uh, one of my favorite things about interviewing you for this podcast, Rob. You're my very first bald interviewee. They didn't know for, that. For the digital Psyduck. Yeah, in case you don't know, Rob has literally no hair on his head. And so right now, Rob, I'm going to get a hug. And I'm actually going to gonna rub that head so if can I can. We, can we say I'm the shaved guy? Yeah, yeah. Shaved it. How about well, that? Sure, that's, it sounds a lot actually, better. There's nothing there. Literally nothing there. This is a hug. Rob, I love you. I love you, Thank man. you for being on the podcast. Thanks, David. All right, we'll see you guys next time.